Welcome to Build with Rob. I am Rob Deerdeck, CEO of the Deerdeck Machine, a one-of-a-kind venture creation studio where we manufacture amazing companies using our machine method. This show is all about our passion for creating companies with our do-or-dire entrepreneur co-founders and all the lessons that we have learned along the way. My guest today, Dimitri Cosco, partner and co-founder in UltraCast. UltraCast was a platform that we created together that essentially allowed uh, you to watch live VR and 360 video happening all over the world. Uh, You just throw your phone into some goggles and put it on and you're basically living in the experience. Something I like to call explortainment. Uh, There was a convergence of live streaming and 360 video back in 2016, but unfortunately for us, we learned one of the greatest lessons in all of business, that sometimes uh, the market falls right out from under you, Uh, and that's really what this story is about. Uh, This is not a a championship story of getting to a liquidity vintage and an exit trophy. This is, in fact, a story of uh, the pathway that eventually leads two partners to call it quits. You know, and it's one of the most difficult things that you can do is is finally let go of a business. And this is one of the very first ones that we have done this to here at the Deer Deck Machine. And although this may sound like this is a story of loss, this is actually a story of incredible gain with a really happy ending. Dimitri Kozko, welcome to Build with Rob. Thanks, Rob. You know, I'm, I'm so great to see you. It's been 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 a very long time. Okay, uh, got to be at least at least two years in person. You know, maybe more, two and a half years. I think so. You know, because because when was the last time you were out in Los Angeles? I would say definitely about two years. Yeah. So man, it's, and it was it, definitely with you. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, and 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 look uh, to to give some background here. Dimitri is the founder and CEO of UltraCast, Explortainment Platform Live, VR, 360, just an innovative, amazing platform to be able to look into events and comedy clubs and concerts and anything you could virtually think of. You got to immerse yourself and be there live. But it wasn't quite adopted as exciting as I just laid it out. You know, and this show is about our journey in meeting each other and evolving his original concept of 360 racing into to UltraCast, this live VR and 360 platform and sort of the journey that we went on to to ultimately bring this platform alive and and kind of what happened in the winds against it and everything that looked like was going to work and turn around and evolve and pivoting in all the right directions and ultimately it not ending the way we expected you know which uh happens more often than not in business you know and 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 I appreciate you uh willing to come on here and and talk about this journey together and 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 obviously we're still connected in a real way and and I'd like to you know first you know kind of state the fact that this man is the ultimate realist deal true true doer dyer okay I like to call him a technical wizard doer dyer with an innovative spirit because uh you you really are I mean I I think as a founder and CEO, you're the real deal, and and it is every aspect of it. Fully understanding business, knowing what you don't know, hiring the right people, relentless work ethic, and just the ability to do the do the what seemingly is impossible, you know. And so, I'd I'd love to kind of get start with sort of your background as an entrepreneur. Like, what are, what were sort of the first companies that you did before before you ended up on 360 Racing? Well. You you made such a nice intro. I'm I'm not sure I could add more color to that. That was uh, that that was something. But thank you, thank you, Rob. I n- nothing more than enjoyment from our journey together. So I can't wait to share whatever I can with this. Well, I guess the entrepreneurial spirit definitely something that's been there for some time. So growing up in Russia, um, I left there when I was 11. But even beforehand. Uh, when I was somewhere between eight and 10 years old, uh, my dad had the opportunity to first leave 
out of Russia and come to US and start building the future, I didn't have that pleasure. So I was left behind with my mom and my sister. Uh, so from there on, I felt like I need to do something as the man, remaining man in a house. So I remember living across the street from a hospital uh, that used to get bread delivered every day. So I said, well, I, I'm the bread winner now at home, you know, being eight or nine, whatever I am. So I literally went across the street, helped them unload the, the loaves of bread into whatever patients. And I used to get paid in warm loaf of bread every single day. So I would bring home, I'd put it on the table and I said, you know, kind of dinner served. So it was a proud moment. Um, and I would say that's probably the very, very beginning of my spirit of saying, you know, I could do anything, right? It's a matter of just thinking like, there's the goal, Let, let's just go get it. And, and that's it. Uh, fast forward, uh, coming to the US, how old were you at that point? And had you like early on said to yourself like, okay, look, what I'm going to do is make it to the United States and and find like opportunity there. I mean, was that a goal you set very early on? So so that was a dream. It, yeah. it wasn't something that I thought would be even possible as a goal. My parents brought that opportunity. So my dad coming to the States and then bringing my mom and my sister and eventually me coming after that, uh, when I arrived, it was just a dreamland, right? Something. And what that city you, did you move to? I moved to Miami. Oh, straight, so, straight man. into oh, Miami. Oh man! So you, oh man, you just touched down. How old were you when you got there? Eleven. Man, you were like, "This is paradise." I just dropped down into like a vacation movie. What <laughs> was it? That thrilling? So it was definitely. I remember in Russia looking at some TV show. Maybe it was Miami Vice. Who knows? Yeah. That literally had that Miami vibe. But of course, when I arrived, it was more like, here's the apartment that we all live in. And, <laughs> right. and here's the school that you're going to go to. And it's really hot. <laughs> it, it, it was hot. I did notice that getting off the plane, walking into a sauna. But yeah, um, when I arrived and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't growing up in, in something that had a lot of privilege. Uh, my parents were doing something to make sure we have food on the table and so on. But when I went into middle school, right, that's, that's when I got there, I realized that your know, other kids have lunch money and other stuff. So I said, well, how, how am I going to do this? And then I noticed, say, you know, kids are sharing gum or can I borrow this? Can I borrow a pencil? Can I get a lollipop? So one day I remember, irony enough, my last name is Costco, walking through a Costco store with my parents and I see a big bag of lollipops. And I said, you know, guys, you know, to my, to my dad, and uh, can you buy me that bag? Like, what are you going to do? Eat them all? I said, no, 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 no. I got plans. So they buy me this bag. I remember it was $5. It was, it was an investment, right? It was an initial investment. I then go to that middle school and I kid you not, um, I, I'm still friends with some of those folks that are, they've been with me uh, since eighth grade, seventh grade, and so on. I became known as the lollipop boy in the school. Yeah. So I started selling each one of them, quarter each, and so on. And that's how I earned my lunch money. Yeah. So great. that's probably the the beginning. But I love that because I feel like all true entrepreneurs, you know, there's there's always this idea of like born or made. You know what I mean? Where are you born to be an entrepreneur or are you made? And and I just think everyone that has like the hustle stories from those early ages go on to be entrepreneurs. You just have it in you and and you just learn through trial and error what what ultimately is going to be sort of your legacy piece as it relates Definitely to, agree. to building businesses. Definitely agree. So what was your first company when you finally decided to to step out and and become a true business builder? Um so the first I would say uh real company is when I got my first break uh, I noticed the news of YouTube getting sold to uh, Google. And I kid you not, I learned what a word billion means. Because yeah. before that, I just thought you count millions. You know, I'm an immigrant. So <laughs> right. I didn't know there's other stuff. You just keep stacking those, mil <laughs> let those millions go to the, to the thousands very Thousands of millions, yeah, hundreds yeah. of thousands of millions. That, that shows how much Esau taught me. Yeah. So I learned, and me as a geek, right, as somebody that tinkered with computers, I remember trying to overclock them and, you know, uh, I looked at it and I said, well, it, at that time it's HTML code and stuff like that. And I look at it and I said, that's not that complicated. How the heck did they just get a 
billion, 1.6 billion. So long story short, I said, I could do this. I'm going to create something that's going to be the premium version of whatever this thing is and Kitchen Sink that's founded on, on YouTube at that time. And let's see if I discover what a billion is. And um, I started like everybody does, asking around, you know, who could support this crazy idea of mine. Um, and I was able to find somebody that said, sure, you know, build me a business plan. Here's a couple of thousand dollars. Here's this. And so it gave me an opportunity to kind of drip finance my way into starting what became a video sharing site for the premium content. But how do you convince somebody that you understand it well enough? And that's you. So you trying to tell me you put together a plan and a strategy and then they gave you just enough money for you to then build it out to raise more money. They're like, you got something here. We'll support you. Like what type of person does that? Is that like a friend of the family? Is that it, like... It, it, it definitely a, a well-connected person that's somebody that trusts you enough to invest a little bit, yeah. just to give you that little bit of chance to see if you could get to the next step. Yeah, and look, I think that's, it's also a great lesson to anybody. Like, like, if you can prove to somebody that you've been thinking about it right and you have a vision, like there's somebody's going to give you the help to kind of realize it if they respect how much work and thought you put into, which, which really is what this person did for you. Without a doubt. And I learned through my journey that there's always somebody that's willing to help. Yeah. And if you haven't found that, you just haven't asked enough. Yeah. Right. So for sure, that, that was definitely my experience. So little by little, that led to a, a team building, it led to a website building, it led to strong partnerships, right? Even here in, in LA, you know, I was able to claim James Kahn as my partner who brought the film side while I was the geek side. Yeah. And together we were able to build a, a, a cool premium video sharing site. What was that called? Open Film. Open Film, man. So that, that's guy, man. Early, early 2000s. Yeah. We built that and with time we were able to sell it. We didn't make a massive score, but we were able to find the next home for that evolution of that business. So. Yeah. And again, what happens? You, you learn so much. Okay. And you went through the whole cycle idea all the way to acquisition in for any, like, even if it's not like a home run now, then that's, that creates so much value as you as an investable CEO and visionary. It, it definitely when somebody, or at least what I see, when somebody sees a success story, they're seeing kind of like that pinnacle, right? Or, or that tip of the iceberg, that entire journey of how many failures, how many things they needed to go through, the pain points and all this stuff, yeah. which I could speak to for my own experience, having to have done that part and realizing, oh, now they notice you for this. Well, you have no idea what I, what we had to go through to get yeah. to this part is, is something to realize. Yeah, shoot. Cool. I think even as somebody, I, look, even as someone that all they do is build businesses, I still don't have total clarity on, on how much depth a lot of the guys and, and, and people that I partner with, what they have to go through just to even get to the meeting to share, here's where we're at and to do the advisory and strategy meetings. You know, it's like being, building a company is a a complex hardcore non-stop 24 hours a day of chaos to just get to the what do you think we should do next you know what i mean agree agreed and especially you know the preparations for a proper meetings that you know are so important for your business to take you to that next milestone the preparation that goes into it, the scenarios that you constantly play in your mind to say, what else would they ask me? How do I make sure that I have thought that through enough that my response will be proper, right? Because the last thing you want to find yourself is like with a, oh, I don't know, answer. Yeah. And that's when you know an opportunity could just slip through your fingers. So that takes quite a bit. Okay. So then now after that, you, you, did you end up work? What company did you end up taking public after that? Like, was that like a company that you work for or you started? So the journey continued that uh, open film was sold into what essentially was a public shell. And I went into helping run that public shell to scale the technology platform that open film has brought to that business into other more than film industries. We try to go into sports and music and so on. So that uh, public shell, it was 
pink sheet traded and so on gave me kind of the exposure of well, what does the public company world could possibly be like. And then noticing that one day we had an opportunity to merge our story with a SPAC. Nowadays, that's a no, that's I a know. common term. Yeah, no. Back then, that was yeah. not a common term. Right, not common and way more practical back then, where it was just like, hey, we're we're basically here for assets to be put in. That's right. But not for money to be put in first and then find the assets. It was almost like the without the money back then, you know. That's right. That's right. So, so I I learned that piece of uh, taking those assets that we have scaled, at least from technology standpoint of view, and how we're gonna have a growth story on monetizing all of those things and so on, into a SPAC that was NASDAQ traded and so on. So went through that entire process, having had the pleasure and opportunity to ring the bell with the likes of James Kahn with me in Times Square and so on. Of just you rang like kinda, the bell with James Kahn? Yeah. What the good Lord? <laughs> what? What? Jimmy what? is an amazing person. What? An ex- Man, I, I can't believe it's at some point in our journey, I, I <laughs> skipped over the idea that this man rang the bell with James Kahn. Extraordinary. I, 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 it's no wonder your your heart was always pumping and always had your eyes looking on, like, how do I get back to the public markets? There's things that frighten certain people about the public market. To me, it was always, I couldn't see that. I saw the things that people could tend to be cautious about, the transparency, the extra care, the extra, you know, checks and balances and all these things, I saw it as like, this is great. Yeah. I get to tell my story in a perfect light all the time. Yeah. No, it's funny because it is like the transparency almost feels better. You know what I mean? Yes, you got to be so much more cautious and so much more diligent, but it's just like in the startup world, you tend to kind of move things around and kind of float this up. But this is kind of what we're thinking. You're, you know, you're just saying a lot of things that are still driving vision rather than being scrutinized for execution uh, yep. as a public company is, you know. That's right. That's right. So we did uh, do this uh reverse merge into SPAC, we became NASDAQ uh, trading entity. And that gave us an opportunity to acquire uh, a business. At that point was number one on Inc. 5000 list as the fastest growing business. And irony enough that this person, the founder of that business was living 15 minutes from my house, had similar story, you know, also former Soviet immigrant and like it it just resonated so well that we were able to put those two together and really have that person take on the baton for me to take it to the next level yeah and then so what like you have did now did you go straight from there to doing a hardware company like and you saw the vision for sort of what was happening in 360 video that's right that that's exactly the the bridge so as that public entity had a Uh, even a better leader, a better CEO than I was at that time, I looked at my R&D department and I said, well, what are we going to do, right? We build all this stuff and now it's being used. Now it became mechanical growth. What else can we do? Like, how can we disrupt? How can we innovate? And I had an idea. An idea came about um, being at a racetrack, uh, seeing cars go around and noticing that some coaches go with the drivers in the seat. And I was like, man, why can a spectator go with the person? Like, why can we just have jewelry rides with like everybody? And I remember uh, putting a couple of GoPros at that time. I don't now they're God knows on what number, but that time was probably number one, number two. It was right. like very initial <laughs> GoPros, putting it on a race car and then reviewing the footage. And I said, well, wait a minute, we're missing the side. We're missing the back. We're missing like, I, I don't get what was really happening there. I'm not really getting that impression of being there. So we put a whole bunch of them. We put like literally almost covered the perimeter facing in every direction. And then when I looked at that footage, I was like, oh man, if somehow that could just be stitched together so I could be looking at one video, not trying to go from one clip to another, to another, to another, to piece it together. So that's where the idea was born of saying, there's gotta be a way to put it all together, stitch it, but better yet, if we could somehow technically figure out how to 
broadcast that. So it's not like a post-production event that's like in movies that takes time and all of this stuff. We'd be really onto something. So it was more like being at the track and wishing I was in the car, experiencing what the driver was experiencing, at least to the best ability, going to, you know, through technical challenges that I wasn't sure were done. Now, now, did they did they have stock 360 cameras at that point? Like, how did you how did you create the, the 360 camera initially? No, there was. So when I looked around, some people, this is like 3D printing was starting to take mainstream. So some people have 3D printed some rigs that would literally take GoPros and point them in different directions. Yeah. And then they would create third-party software that you load up all these different SD cards in a certain sequence. And then somehow, you know, after multiple hours, something comes out that looks like Frankenstein. Uh, but those were the solutions available. And to that point, I've never done a hardware piece. But I had an understanding of hardware pieces, like software piece, except seems like you just have to plan more in advance because you got manufacturing and you got all this stuff. So I said, R&D team, we got a new project. We have this crazy idea. We're going to figure out a way to create the most efficient device. So not multiple GoPros are going to be facing in different directions. We're going to create one device that's going to be able to capture everything around itself and then we'll see what we could do with it. So that that was the beginning journey of coming I, up I, with the it, hardware. It, it still like just blows my mind that it was that early in the game too. Because it was like, you know, VR was still just a kind of a concept. It still wasn't like, it was beginning to evolve. Like I would say probably in the, at least when, when you finally got the hardware kind of locked down in the vision, like next VR had raised some capital and there mm -hmm. was like, mm -hmm. you, you know, kind of leaning into that and that stuff kind of evolving. And so at that point, then you, you, you figured out how to broadcast the 360 video from inside the cars initially what, what became 360 racing, right? That's right. That's right. So we first had to solve the hardware problem, right? And the way we looked at it, we said, well, if GoPros are getting put back together, let's just take all the guts out of the cases and duct tape it together and capture it like this and then put it through our software. Right. It'd be similar, but it'll be a smaller stack. So that led to less and less and less components to something that looked like a single piece of hardware that was able to capture multi-direction. So we first had to solve the capture aspect of it. And brilliant engineers that, you know, were with me through all these multiple journeys figured that part out. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, then you tried to see how you could actually make that efficient. So from cost perspective, so you could actually create a bunch of these things. Because like you mentioned, next VR rigs were there, but you got DSLR cameras pointing in multiple directions, red cameras that yeah. they used. 50 grand a piece. Yeah, like the and, whole unit and, was and like the, 300 grand. That's right. Yeah. They had like eight of them. Yeah. Not, not duct taped together, but yeah. still stuck yeah. together. So it wasn't a scalable solution. So we knew that if we wanted to give a next level of immersion into like a race car, you can't put a next VR rig on no. the race car. No. It's going <laughs> to make it slow. They, they, exactly. Yeah. They fight for little, you know, milligrams. Um, so we, once we solved the uh, hardware piece, and that hardware piece on its own had its own applications into B2C markets and so on, because we really hit on something. Uh, we then switched gears and said, okay, how do we now broadcast this? And that came with another level of challenges because now you're going from not stitching in post-production, which many people have done in the past, but trying to do that live with, you know, near zero latency and do that through a cloud of some sort, because you can't really stitch too much on a camera. Like there's other hardware challenges. Like that that became another interesting thing to overcome. And then when you finally solved that, you were like, this is it. This is Let's it. Let's go get, this is innovative. It is cost effective. This is going to be like, you do it from your phone. It's It goes straight to an app. This is going to be the future of immersive experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and you got 360 racing. And then, then now you head out uh, to raise capital. That's At right. what point in the process then are you introduced to old Rob Deerdeck <laughs> down here at the Deerdeck <laughs> machine? 
Well, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Andrew Klein, yeah. right? And Andrew striked me as a person that really got my story, right? He really understood what what I was trying to achieve, even though at that point I wasn't good enough articulating as well as he did. Yeah. So he helped me prep, right? I talked about how preparation is so important and is you know the iceberg underneath that tip. And he then said, you know, I'm going to take you to three folks, right? Somebody that would would really help you take it to a completely next level. And, you know, to not discount, I have no idea who you are. Yeah. So he takes me in. I have to Google the yeah. name. I look, you know, and, and I see what, what. What do you see in a Google search? Like, you, is it like. You see skateboarding Robin pictures. Big, skateboarding, like, at, you know, at like, that, yeah, like, that's interesting. That, that's all you see. So yeah. um, at that point, right, the, that was before Dirtdick Machine had the amount of content that it has and was able to, like, if it was now looking at it, I would be like, wow, like this is going to be amazing, <laughs> right? If I just have an opportunity to meet Rob. Yeah. At that point I was looking at, I was like, Andrew, are you sure? This, this is, this is going to be cool, right? <laughs> He's like, yes, trust me, this guy is amazing. And then I walk into your office to meet you. And I get a chance to tell you the story and and explain where we're heading and you know show the presentation with a 360 racing and you know we're, we're trying to play with different names because even andrew at that point is like i'm not sure about this 360 racing stuff it 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 pigeonholes you into racing but let's let's take it broad which it had that application so even there was some medium name i don't even remember already what it was um then bring it to you and the questions that you asked me, I, I don't even recall, but I remember it was such an eyebrow raising moment for myself. Like, wow, this guy thinks of things on a completely different level. Like you just open up my eyes during my own presentation to you. All of a sudden, I don't remember what it was, but I remember walking away with the impression like, Andrew, if I could somehow have this guy as my partner, I, I think I could really take it up. The next level. So, so let me recount for you what I said in that meeting. And I'll just be guessing at this point, but, but <laughs> let, let, let me tell you where my head was at that point. Like, you know, we were, it was just at the beginning of just real live stream and like Instagram live stream was just about to start. It was like, wow, like it's, you're going to be live on Instagram. And then, you know, VR at this point, next VR had really been able to like, like evolving and like raising a ton of capital. And then this idea that there was going to be live VR events was already beginning to like, wow, this is like this, this, this like intersection of live content and 360 content. And then, but like next VR was so expensive, so cumbersome. And, and moreover than the hardware that you had to, to use for the VR was such a long stretch. You had to have like an Oculus to even like That's experience right. it. You had to have a, a special computer. There was so many barriers to getting there. And I had spent like a, an hour or two with a friend of mine. It's a big venture capitalist here in LA, like, um, who we just were brainstorming on where the next opportunity is. And, and this guy, you know, it's way, way next level, like super, super high level buying, you know, all sorts of different sports companies, everything really, really major. And he was like, it's VR. Like it's VR and there's just like this ability to be able to see live events in mm. VR is the opportunity. So by the time in my heart and soul, I was like, okay, I need to find a live VR opportunity. Wow. When he left the office and I got a, I got a deck from Andrew like two days later. So in my mind, I'm like, it's, this is my life. This is the magic side of business. I just attract this. It's the law of attraction. It's my destiny. So I, I, I had already had, but, and so when I looked at like, like, because you had your philosophy of like, Hey, it's the, the cost is the barrier to entry. The size is barrier to entry. Imagine you could brought sit, sit in a race car racing along with someone. And it's like, okay, this is actually the opportunity. So by the time you got there, I was so excited because like I was already in like, like thinking about all of the different places that it could end up being and, and I too was like, you know, 360 racing is just like the tip of the, the iceberg, you know, and, 
And that's what, what got me, you know, so incredibly excited, but also thinking like, man, this is the absolutely perfect timing. First one to do it, the perfect guy to do it. He's already like did all of this work to get there. And then we set off on our journey. Right. And, and, you know, I think, uh, the, the beauty of two guys that don't know each other at all. And, and obviously, you know, I'm, it's a big ask for me, uh, w- when you come down here, right. It's like, Hey, I got, I want to be a co-founder with you. I need a big chunk of equity here for me to get, to get excited about it. And, and we really got to know each other in sort of the diligence process of just getting our, our deal done and, and, and really being able to, and that's what I love, you know, about like, you know, going more from a building side than just investment side where you, you had to give up a, a a pretty significant amount of equity, even though I was, you know, prepared to pay a pretty decent amount for it, but really undervaluing, uh, where you were at. Um, and so you had to feel comfortable with that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And I think the beauty is, is, is we just really connected on, on that vision of, of what the possibilities were. And, and I do think I also, like, I, I almost like pushed it even further. Of, Here's everywhere we could go. This is what it went. And you're like, gosh, you want to know what I, you're right. You're right. This is, this is, this is what we need to do. And, and so we set off on it. Right. And the first thing was we had to brand it. Right. Because I'm like, man, this three, I mean, what are we doing here? Right. And I know we looked at a lot of, a lot of different names and, you know, for me, I, I was just going going so hard because it's my favorite thing to do. It's the ultimate feather in the cap. You know what I mean? Like if I can just straight shot name something, man, it makes my soul come alive, right? It's like something that I live for. I live for even the moment. And I had found Dreamcast, mm-hmm. right? And and I was really uh, trying to to push Dreamcast on you at the time. I don't know if you remember Dreamcast. That's but, right, I do recall. But it was the idea of like, you know, you you land in this world and it's completely surreal, right? It's like a dream. You being mm-hmm. uh, courtside at a basketball game, it's a dream. You being like, you know, but it's still, it, it just felt too like, you know, next VR to Dreamcast, it was just in, in no man's land. And then... Like as I was going and deeper into the search, I found UltraCast, right? And it was like, okay, what's Ultra mean again? Oh, it means to go beyond, mm-hmm. right? And then it was like, oh my God, like it went from from broadcast to telecast to webcast and now it's UltraCast, beyond live, right? Like it it to me... Like really, really as the brand now was like, okay, this is it. Like ultra casting is like a a verb and like this is going to go all over the world. So, you know, we raised that capital, right, to to, to launch the company and then you went on a mission. And tell me about sort of that first sort of journey of how many cameras you got up and building the first thing. What what was that sort of initial push like for you to be able to execute all that? Because you really got cameras all over the world. Well, that was the whole thing is, right? We knew that in order to bring this type of entertainment to somebody's phone, that they could just immerse themselves into something, we needed to have choice, right? And that choice, we didn't know if it's going to resonate in a comedy club or it's going to resonate in some bar or is it going to resonate in a race event or like where? We, We weren't too sure. So the idea was to go as wide as possible and as fast as possible. So literally myself and a couple of team members at that point, right, thanks to the capital, we started from cold calling to visiting places to saying, you know, you got a great venue here and we know every Friday, Saturday night, something happens here. You need to tell that to the world, showcase that more so than your physical capacity at that venue. So the cell wasn't that hard. The harder part was, well, what do you mean? You're going to install a camera here that's going to look at us all the time? Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. but we'll give you a yeah. control somewhat when you could turn it on and off. So we did start to uh, scale, 
we did start to install it in many places. Capital started going into getting more of these cameras and, and shipping them around and so on and creating kits in case there's a portable events that are happening so we could broadcast like some of the music concerts and things like that. Uh, so I think we're getting into multi-dozens of locations around the world. And I remember at some point sitting in front of the application and literally looking at probably a dozen live events happening right there and then. You know, there were small events. There were some band playing at some bar in London and another thing in somewhere else. And man, uh, I'll never forget. Like, I don't care, man, because keep in mind, it's still on your phone. It's on your phone. And then you just pop your phone into like goggles That's and right. then you can put it on your head. You know, no, no expensive hardware. All of a sudden you're standing there. Yeah. Me being, I went from a bar in London or wherever that bar was, That's right. sitting in this bar to then you had one of the, one of the clubs, like techno clubs in like Miami. Then I'm like in <laughs> Miami, like I'm just in, like, I'm like literally next to the DJ booth going, right. you know what I mean? I'm like in that, that's around the time too, that I was like, man, this is this is like, not like just inner, this is exploring. This is like, and I'm like, man, I wonder if explortainment's like a thing. And I was like, oh my God, we can own explortainment, you know? And because it really was like this crazy journey, you could just pop like in your live all over the world. You're in a bar sitting next to some bloke, you know what I mean? Uh, ha having a pint, you know, whatever it may be. And then you're down next to some chick that's, you know, probably on something dancing all crazy with some dude. Um, but you're living it, you know, right. it, you're, it's, 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 it's almost like transporting yourself like all over the world and being invisible. That's right. It, it, it is almost kind of what it is, right? So, okay. It's amazing in concept. It was executed. But we we couldn't get people on the platform, right? And, and and I guess ultimately that was sort of the beginning of like, man, this is a much heavier lift and getting bodies on here than I think think we anticipated. And and as that started to happen, what was sort of your mindset in, in that time frame of like, man, okay, how do we do this? And ultimately is that when maybe you started thinking like, man, is, are we going to be able to do this? Or was it still enough energy of like, nah, this is too, we'll figure out how to get people because this is special. What, what was it like in that 2018 zone? So, so it was still special because we saw it come to life, right? So you saw that it does give that right emotion. Like, oh, you just teleporting yourself yeah. to another place in the world and it's lunchtime for you there, but you're kind of here, but you're hanging out somewhere where it's already 5 p.m., right? Like they say. But when we start seeing numbers, right? 100 people log on there, 200 here. You start to run those through the financial models that you know we're all set out to do. And you start looking at what type of, top of the funnel numbers you need to have before you start thinking about turning that into pay-per-view events and what that would do. Um, you start realizing that you're still far away from scale. So you might've scaled to location or the, the variety of choice, but you're still far from audience scale to get to a converted number of paid users who would actually help you sustain this business. Yeah, because at the, at the end of the day, it was a pay-per-view model business, right? And, and that was the goal, you know, and, and now it's like, wow, like is, is a bar in London, uh, is someone going to pay for that? Like we know like, okay, NASCAR, right? Like you could have something real. Okay. That, that might be worth it. But even then, is there an audience to pay for that? And I want to say, in the, and even in that era, that is when you signed the deal to do NASCAR, right? And I can't remember. Did we end up doing a pay-per-view for NASCAR? No pay-per-view. Just we, the we sample. Did, we do do sample. We did uh, capture quite a few things. We did, at one point, it was living on NASCAR.com. So yeah. it, was, it was interesting. And, and those guys all were, always were forward-looking, always willing to innovate and try and so on. And it's interesting that I live in that world now as well. So together with some of the people that were back from those days. Yeah, yeah. But- we didn't get to a point where even there we hit enough traction 
with the audience to be able to say, well, let's let's try to put a little bit behind a paywall. Yeah. We did do one paywall event that I remember resonating was a, a fighting match. I mean, yeah, it was a yeah, boxing or yeah. something. And it was like a a, a silly pay-per-view numbers, like a dollar ninety-nine or something yeah. like this. And it did convert a little bit because it was only behind paywall. It wasn't available for free. It was like, here's a preview and bah, that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, and look, even at that time, I was I had launched the SVOD with Street League. That's right. And then running into like, man, we have the content, the core audience, and like there is no reason why they wouldn't be paying for this. And I'm having a hard time converting these guys for what they love, right? And that right. it was like this, like, man, you know, I don't think pay-per-view is going to be able to sustain it. And and I think at that point you man, you really you went and it was the most next level pivot into to, into like innovating the experience and the app and what the entire thing was like i mean it was clear and then pivoted in and the next generation of the product like really made it to where people could monetize it themselves if they wanted to they could donate now we you know if you were if you were watching in the gorilla cage at a zoo you could donate to, right. to the grill all these different sort of micro transactions and now it's like this entirely immersive channel right where like you could it had this beautiful interface and you could be liking you could be connecting with other people on the units and and what an amazing, amazing app and execution again in a short amount of time, right? Well, it was survival mode, right? Yeah. If we knew that we needed to put that equipment to more places, we knew we needed to broaden the audience size, we knew we needed to convert and that wasn't going fast enough. We knew that we had to, like you said, pivot, right? And the way to pivot was, well, how do we reach even more scale? How do we just leverage folks to plug in their cameras, right? Can we just ship it, them do-it-yourself box and they install instead of us arriving in bar in London somewhere with a, you know, a Peloton case. Yeah. So we were able to quickly, and thanks again to the team who took the same broadcast, put it into a different GUI and realized that, you know what, maybe it's not forcing people to pay to access content, but maybe it's when the person watches a band that they really like, right, in that same London bar from here in LA, maybe they just feel like throwing a dollar towards them, right? And we wanted that band to get a little ding, right, yeah. at the time. Yeah. So they feel like something just dropped in their tip cup. Yeah. So yeah. we, ah, we thought so that, that that could also help scale. Um, and And that was the pivot that we had to do really quickly. And look, all the way down to even you went as far as to create a dongle, just a camera that plugs straight into the the, to the phone, phone itself yeah. that could then broadcast 360 video where anybody could monetize themselves. I've just, and it was desperation mode because it was, it, we just didn't show enough users to create the value and getting hard for people to like see it, see an investable opportunity. And, but you, it is your do or die or spirit and who you are. It was like, I will not, then we're going to make this undeniably better. Uh, you know, and, and man, it's like, even then it was like, who's a great audience we get to like, oh, we could ultra cast podcast. Now you could be sitting there live with the podcast. We had this beautiful deck to Joe Rogan, um, you know, and, and, uh, but again, um, we just couldn't get any like momentum, even with this amazing product. Right. And, 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 and I think the other like true reality, um, that was the most unforeseen is in 2015, 16, like VR and 360 was the future by, by late 2018, it was already like, ah, it was just sort of like a fad, right? Like it, 3d TVs. Yeah, man. Just and, disappeared. And it, 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 it was a very difficult time as it relates to coming to grips with, with not the, the product, uh, you know, the, the partnership, your work ethic, your ability to execute on, on literally on a, with basically nothing at this point, the stress you had to undergo as like a father, you know, having multiple kids through this entire run, you know, 
And, and there just is, you know, it's just the reality of sometimes the market turns, you know, and it's, it's like, um, coming to that sort of, um, facing that, you know, as an entrepreneur, like when, when did you like realize like, like, Hey, like I, I can keep one foot in fighting, but I got to figure out like what, how do I like survive beyond just building this business at, at one point? Like, when did you finally step into, to choosing another direction in the middle of this now? Well, when you start looking at the runway and you start realizing that there's a clear end right there. And you also realize at the same time, you don't have enough traction to show for the next round, right? Because it, it needs to show proper progression, not uh, a different direction and pivot that we didn't get a chance to prove out yet. Yeah, and look, it's just, a, a it's to anyone raising money, you want to know what the hardest place to raise money is, is, hey, we spent all this money and it didn't work, but here's what we've pivoted into right. now. This is going to work. work. You know what I mean? It's like you it's are- worse than starting from scratch. Yeah, it is worse than because you, you just proved, <laughs> hey, you just proved it didn't work, the original vision. Now here's an adjusted version of the vision. Now let's put some more money into that. And it, it's the hardest possible place because now it became extraordinarily clear that, hey, there isn't, it's going to be really hard to put bodies on this platform at yep. scale. And even like next VR at that time had like already started to like, couldn't get any more rounds and was looking in down mm -hmm. rounds and looking into no man's land, right? It, a lot of headwinds. And then you made a choice. And what was, what was your choice beyond that and, and the opportunity that you decided to look at? Well, the choices, you know, when, when you start running on a runway, you start cutting yourself and your salaries or anything else that you were drawing. So there's still that support element. How do I bring food home to my daughters, you know, to my wife and, and prove to her that I'm not crazy. Like this is going to pin out. Cause as I'm telling you how things are progressing, I have to tell my family, like, believe in it just a little bit more, a little bit yeah, more, a little bit yeah. more. And how is that? Like, is that like a tough conversation? Of course. Like in of course, and then like, is the wife on you? Like, you should just get a job. Like is, you know, like. I, I, I'm one of those who are super fortunate enough that chosen a partner that believes in me probably more than I believe in myself, which is yeah. really hard. So she knew that there was something, like she didn't have to worry that we would be starved one day. Yeah. But even at tough times when you're not making ends meet and, you know, falling behind on, on bills and things like that, there have been times like that, right? You cannot help yourself but to see incoming opportunities and start evaluating them while you're still trying to save this thing that looks like it's in coma, Right. Yeah. You, you're still trying to bring it back to life yeah. while you have, you know, <laughs> no. big shiny objects all around you saying, you know, hey, we, we value your experience. Come over here and help us do this. And you could get your life back on track as personal. And here I am trying not to give up on the dream, the promise, the, the partnership and saying, no, no, no. Like, I'm not going to let you die. Like, yeah. you're yeah. still going to go at it. And so then ultimately, um, you had an opportunity, uh, with motorsports gaming, uh, and, and initially was that just, Hey, just come in and run, run, it, run this for us. And this is like, Hey, okay, this, this is great. And then when you, when they presented that you with that opportunity, did you see immediately that there was an opportunity to, to, to take this public and do something much bigger for it? Or did they say, Hey, could you do this? Or did you so, say, this is what I could do? So there was even an intermediate step between that. So the same individual that gave me an opportunity in the very, 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 very beginning, right? The one that I said drip financed and, and did this, happened to have been building out largest media company at that point in the motorsport world. So as he's going through his journey and he sees this journey of mine uh, and what I just went through, is just always asking for... How about this? Can I do this? Like on the operational level, how can I help? And to a point that it started getting to a time where saying, well, just hang out, do do your thing from 
the office, right? To just man, he just lured you in a, a little man, by little. Just, <laughs> can you help with me a little bit right here? Let me just oh, let me just get you oh. But there's also that sense of appreciation because it it did serve you know a, a massive push at that time. So if there's anything I could do for him, anything I could do for you for giving me at a certain time the chance to do something and grow as a person. Like I, I feel owed, so I will definitely go and and jump and on the plane and come and do whatever we need to do. So at that point, I said, "Sure, help here, help there, and so on." Little by little, I grew into a position of running operations for seven hundred of his people. So little by little, I became the COO of that media company, spending half of my time in London and and so on and so on. And to fast forward to a point you were saying, we're looking at portfolio of these different assets. And as I'm managing sort of other entrepreneurs that we probably acquired at a certain point or grew organically, et cetera, I'm seeing this games opportunity that's within this portfolio that we're able to get our hands on because the data showed it's a good venture uh, to go about. And when I got a chance to look at it from, you know, high level view and say, wow, there, there's so much more that could be done than that existing team is exploring. And they were doing a decent job, but decent in, in my eyes were like, you guys are sitting on a golden goose and this is how you could scale. And like my entrepreneurial spirit kicks in and saying like, no, we're not just going to operate this. We're going to take this to the moon. Like, this is how you do it. And, you know, I get so inspired by not just running operations, but injecting that uh, spirit into that particular opportunity. So I, I have the conversation with the partner and the principal and saying, hey, I think we could find somebody else to help you with the operations and I'll help with that, the transition but let me go do something massive out of this. And I laid out my plan and, and so on and so on. And so really at this point, you just essentially like paused UltraCast and like, hey, we got this IP and maybe maybe down in the future and 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 now I'm, I'm spending full time kind of on the operational side That's of right. motorsports. Like, and now I see, man, inside here, I could just take the gaming side of this company and turn it into its entirely own thing. And then built it and and then they gave you the autonomy more or less to like, okay, you can run this. And as far as that's you can right. take it, you can take it. That's right. Because that's just, this seems like a really long period, but it's not. It's you know not. what I mean? Like this is like from startup chaos to like, like survival mode to fight for it all to like market falling out to like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll stabilize and work over here. Like, wait a minute, I could take this and, and pull this out and create an own company and take this company public by itself. That entire life cycle was like 14 months. You know what I mean? Like from, from still a one foot in ultra cast to, to building out this entire concept and taking it public in, in 14 months. And so really, you know, you put that whole thing together, pulled it out and, and built said, you know, you called me and said, Hey, like, I know UltraCast is, is, is just sitting there. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to officially abandon it quite yet, but I got this opportunity. I'm going to take this company public and I want you to be on the board. I want, you know, and, and, and of course, what, what did I say to you? Uh, um, no, initially I said yes, but then I called you and do you remember how I acted when I called you the second time? I, I did a little bit. I was like, can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. I've been, then, then I was like, I love it. It shows what a true do or die you are. And it's like, man, only a guy like with your skill set and ability could like barely shut down his startup before he and take a company public in like, you know, 10 months. Like it's like so next level. And you're like, that's it. You like believe in my do or die or spirit. And then you, you do or dired me back to where like, okay, no, all right. I'm, I'm, let me do this with you. And, and, and and I actually got to ride with you through the process of taking Motorsports Gaming Public, which you are now a, a CEO of a publicly ran company. I am on the board. 
way more complex and hardcore than I ever imagined. <laughs> I have so much even more respect for you. I already had you on such a pedestal of like who you are, how you think, how you execute. But man, seeing you just navigate and manage the complexities of, of being a CEO that put the whole thing together, built the company now out, you know, acquiring businesses and everything that has gone through now growing it and, and being a part of how much, um, and how difficult that really is. And it, it, you know, I, I, I applaud you and, and really know, um, in my heart of hearts, like how much the real deal you are. You know, and I really enjoyed it, all aspects of what we did together. Right now, it wasn't uh, the ideal uh, scenario as it relates to, you know, what what we do down here at the Deer Deck Machine. But again, it also was it, it was sometimes market timing goes the wrong way on you, you know, and it, and it's just the reality. And to me, there's it from seeing that you know coming up with the name to seeing the first live vr to like then seeing how hard you were fighting for it all it's still so much was learned and so many things so many lessons and 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 so many different valuable pieces of information and and altogether a really fun journey you know what i mean like despite like it it becoming painful in the end as as all things do if they have to come to an end i still really 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 enjoyed the journey you know and and i have to say that i when i think about my mistake and my advice to you and as an advisor like i always blame myself for thinking too wide getting you to go too wide rather than like okay Let's still go ultra cast and all this, but let's own uh, racing first because you had the motorsports relationship. You already had like NASCAR, you had like Le Mans, you had all these different like opportunities in the space. And, and I just really, when I look back in hindsight, I really think about the idea of like, man, if, if we could have just one, one vertical at a time, um, rather than, you know, having being in comedy clubs and bars in London and, and clubs in, in Miami, right? Like that, that, that's always something that when I look back of like, no, like focus where your advantage is and build sustainability there first, For sure. that that's sort of like one of the big lessons I've learned. Yeah. I'd be curious what your what your biggest sort of lesson and takeaway from from the ultra cast experience that that you kind of like that's seared into you i would say from from that experience well it now by me saying i agree with you would just look like i'm i'm copying you but that's <laughs> literally i would say the biggest thing i have throughout the ultra cast journey and how it you know taking me to a place where i'm now definitely made me realize we need to get really good at one core thing. And that one core thing could be massive. Like there's nobody to say that, you know, if somebody defined a market size by this, and yes, you could be a leader and that could label you to be a certain size. I'm not a believer in that anymore. I believe that you could just break through the boundaries of like, who is to say we're in racing games now? And racing games are, you know, nearly 6% of the gaming market. Who said that that's how it's supposed to be? Why can it be 50%? Yeah. So I think the biggest lesson is similar to, like, let's get so good at one thing that we'd be undisputably the best at it. And that best could help us push the boundaries of thinking that there's a limited market for that. Yeah. So I think that that's probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah, from look, and, and 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 it's just so true, man. If you you don't let the market define if you know. Let, to me, it, gaming is gaming. It's massive, and like like all you have to do is make a racing game get better and better, more fun, more fun, and that's how you gain the market share, right? And I think even by how you're even attacking it, all the different like verticals in the game too. Like I, I, I think there is no doubt you're going to create a company with a billion dollar market cap, not hundreds of thousands of millions. Well, hopefully that's just a milestone because the market could endure a lot more than that. But yeah. uh, um, the, the one thing I think uh, we don't mention enough, and I think it's, it's very important, it's 
yes, it seems like I'm the one that tells the story and I'm the one that puts my neck on the line and, and showcasing it. But it's really a team behind me that I just collect the efforts and hopefully inspire them. Sometimes I joke around the office, my job is just to serve everybody coffee because yeah. <laughs> that just should just get them going, right? Yeah. But it's really, I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by similarly passionate individuals who believe in the crazy me that hopefully I inspire them enough to go along the journey like like you have done with me, you know, through this. And we get to the end result that we could all celebrate. Yes, I, I tend to be the one that appears to maybe take the trophy, but that trophy is not mine. That trophy is made up of bunch of bunch of pieces that belong to others. I'm just sort of like the delivery person of it. So spoken I, like a real deal CEO, <laughs> spoken like the real but, deal CEO of a publicly traded true. company. No, and, I, and I know it is. And I, and I think that's what makes you such a great CEO. And, and, and look, um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, we got to put, we got to put an L on the books down here at the Deer Deck Machine with Ultracast, but it, the L's are the lessons, you know what I mean? And, and I absolutely uh, loved the journey. Uh, I really did. It was great to see you. I, I appreciate you coming out here. Uh, we never had a chance to do your action figure, so we get to get your action figure and have you immortalized in the do or die. That was before action figures were yeah. a thing with with their <laughs> machine. You know I was there before. <laughs> you know what I mean? So immortalize you and and look, I, I I appreciate being a part of your journey all the way into motorsports gaming, and and I look forward to one day uh, uh, when you want to start another company uh, and and we get to start another company again. But thank you for for uh, the journey and the lessons together, and and thank. You for being on Build with Rob, man. Thank you, Rob. Thank Till you we meet everything. again. Till we meet again. We'll see you next time. All right, that's it for our show today. Make sure you follow Build with Rob wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe at YouTube backslash Deer Deck Machine. And don't forget, you want to come along this journey with us? Become a machinist. Become one of our consumer collaborators. Uh, go to DeerDeckMachine.com. Click on Machinist and join us. Join us. We'd love to get your feedback and have you a part of our entire process. If you are an entrepreneur and you got a real deal idea and you want to partner with us, find Are You A Do or Dire on DeerDeckMachine.com. Upload your video and who knows, you might just end up on this show. But the only way you're going to end up on this show is if you got a vision. If you believe in that vision, then you have the wherewithal to bring that vision to life. You got to see it, believe it, and do it. Till next time, I'm Rob Deerdeck.